Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Staffordshire University's Performing Under Pressure podcast. The aim of this podcast is to explore people's perceptions of pressure and how they're able to perform well when the heat is on. So I'm Dr. Paul Mansell, a lecturer here at Staffordshire University and my interests centre all around stress, well-being, and performance. I'm joined in the studio today by my colleague, Dr. Joe Dixon. Hi, Joe. Hi, Paul. Do you want to just quickly introduce yourself as well for the podcast? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, Dr. Joe Dixon, uh, lecturer here in sport and exercise psychology, chartered sport and exercise psychologist and organisational psychologist. Similar to Paul, research interests in stress, performing under pressure in applied sport. Lovely, thank you. And we're delighted today to welcome Matt Smith into the studio, broadcaster Matt Smith. So welcome, Matt. Thank you, guys. Nice to be with you. And yeah, I'm interested to hear what uh, you're going to grill me over. So Matt, can you just give us a bit of background about your current roles that you undertake at the moment? And I say roles because I know you've got various things going on. Yeah, Uh, well, I suppose that's the nature of the job, really. But yeah, for some time now, I've worked, I suppose, principally for what up until now has been BT Sport and is soon to become TNT Sport under a new joint venture with Warner Brothers Discovery. Prior to that, I worked at ITV and BBC and still do work for other broadcasters from time to time, although the the majority of my work is at uh, BT and then work for various other publications, uh, radio and TV stations, uh, work here at Staffs Uni, helping to pass on a few things I hope to the undergrads and the MAs. What else do I do? And I also help younger broadcasters in the last year or two to develop, I suppose, techniques and skills and pass on a bit of experience as to how best to cope with the pressures and stresses of, of the job. So... Maybe that helps too today. Amazing. Yeah. So you're a good person for us to speak to. <laughs> well, I guess we'll find out. That will be for you and the listeners to decide. And we see we see Matt Smith as a broadcaster on TV, but let's start by asking about Matt Smith, the person. So can you just tell us about the things that you like to do when you do have some free time from work? And in particular, what would you class as your guilty pleasure? Um, what do I do when I'm not at work? Well, it's quite a demanding job time-wise and travel-wise, so you're away 
more than I guess you'd ideally choose to be from from home and family. So I do very much try and make sure I'm at home with them when I can be. Um, so I try and prioritise that in the in the time that I get off or in the kind of closed season if we ever get one of those um, for kind of relaxation or, or um, leisure pursuits I like to run and cycle and I've got several mates in the area where I live near Manchester that are both into both of those things so we go out together so it's quite sociable and a few other things that we do kind of socially I suppose around around that in terms of team sport I have tried to keep up a little bit with with football and golf and things like that but I'm both getting a bit old and struggling for time on those fronts so it's more the running and cycling a guilty pleasure I mean only in the sense that it makes me sound quite boring but I'm kind of quite getting into gardening maybe that's a middle-aged <laughs> midlife crisis thing but I quite like it I do find it's quite therapeutic and it's quite I think what you kind of put into it, you get back from it. Like, I suppose, a lot of things in life. You know, you kind of invest time and effort in growing things. And the pleasure that brings you is reciprocal, I suppose, is mutual. Um, so I like that. I like uh, listening to music and obviously podcasts. I was bound to say that, wasn't I? <laughs> well, it's interesting you say gardening, actually, because um, in my past, I've also worked as a gardener. Ah. And I think I've experienced the physical, the mental benefits, the social benefits when mm. you're doing it with other people. Yeah. So it's nice to hear that you have a similar mm. view of it to myself. My garden is in a shocking state, so uh, I think I sense a partnership. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Come around to your show exactly. and tidy up your garden. I don't know if I'm quite in the expert category yet, but I was. Uh, yeah, I enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, especially this time of year as well. It's. Um, great to be outdoors yeah and of course when the weather's nice yeah then everybody wants to be out in the garden don't they yeah. so i mean we consider someone like yourself who has to broadcast live in front of millions of watching people as someone who has to perform under pressure but what do you understand by that term what's your definition of performing under pressure mm. i mean i suppose you the first thing you'd say is as a kind of caveat or or qualifying remark is that I guess it means different things to different people so if you're asking what does it mean to me I suppose it means trying to make what you're doing as good as it can be under both kind of time location environment and teamwork constraints so you're very much in broadcast particularly on TV you're part of a large team and it's very much like a kind of jigsaw puzzle that everybody's trying to put the right pieces in almost at the same time. So you're going from no jigsaw to a completed jigsaw in quite a short space of time. And everybody's got to be on the right page at the right points. Otherwise, it, it kind of falls down. So it's it's to, to kind of torture the analogy further. It's a bit House of Cards-ish. So everything works until it doesn't. And then it, and then it falls to pieces if, if it's not right. So that is, I suppose, or could be considered stressful or pressured. Yeah, you're working in a team, you're working to time, you're working in what can be a, either a challenging or at worst hostile environment with crowds that often have a view on your very presence, identity, existence at times. They all think we're biased, which clearly we're not. It might just be them that are biased, but still, those are all part and parcel of, of what goes with the with the job, really, and trying to obviously do it to the best of your ability and not make mistakes. Really interesting conceptualization there of, of pressure. I never really thought of it like that in the broadcasting world where you're part of that team and, yeah. and the link back to sport. With, with that in mind, would you consider yourself someone, Matt, that enjoys that side of things and, and that definition of pressure? Yes, I think most people that work in a live broadcast environment, you'll notice 
if you're ever part of it, and perhaps you have been, maybe the listeners have been, when they get to the end, when they come off air, there's a kind of release. Mm. And it's it's more relief than release. It's actually that we haven't made a complete car crash of that. That's the bit that they are most pleased about. It's not so much the triumph of having delivered some great work of art to the public. It's that it didn't go wrong. And there's a kind of pleasure, great, great sense of satisfaction in, in getting to the finishing line. And that's the smiles on people's faces are often done it. It's that finishing line feeling and the release and relief that comes with that. And I think a team doing that all together, working hard on particularly, obviously, a, a big occasion where you feel like all the work that's gone before, the months before. So maybe at the end of a football season where you're doing a cup final or a day that a, a team wins the league and you all that effort comes to, to a kind of sense of culmination. You are pleased for the team that wins. Obviously, you commiserate with the team that loses. But from a professional point of view, you're delighted to get all that effort into kind of one final, you hope, piece that you're relatively pleased with, proud of, whatever. And the fact that it's a team working together to do that, to deliver that, is the greatest sense of satisfaction that I think you get in the job. That's fascinating and you hear that with athletes don't you it's, it's sometimes more the relief side of things of, of getting through a performance unscathed or not making a mistake necessarily than the actual joy of mm. winning etc um, have you felt the same way about pressure that, that that relationship during your career obviously you've, you've done this uh, broadcasting gig for a long time now has it changed since you'd first starting out I think possibly I have become more used to it mm. so I don't know that I would say it's necessarily changed because the fundamentals of the things I'm describing are have always been there. So the sense of obviously it being live, so you can't stop and start, you have to keep going. There's only forwards, there's no pause, there's no backwards, there's only forwards. The sense of working in a team environment and working with other people and, and being part of something that works and coalesces together, that's the same. The idea of it being a lively, noisy, full-on environment, that's always been there I think except perhaps maybe in the pandemic mm. where the crowd disappeared that was quite odd but it wasn't kind of long enough for it to become normalised it was all it always felt like a phase and it was a challenge in a different way because you were trying to make the most of a slightly sterile environment that had so previously been something else so so alive and now it felt so passive so you were trying to kind of find a ways around that so that the people at home didn't feel it was boring really so that, that that was never something that I particularly relished or I think it just was something we all had to kind of live through and I think the athletes felt that as well on the sport I covered in the pandemic they felt uncomfortable about there being no crowd and it, it affected their performance as well so those things have all been the same I think I can't think that it's changed that much maybe fans in some cases have become ever more tribal ever more at times antagonistic because they demand through the price of their ticket entertainment and satisfaction and so they want everybody that's part of that day to be on their side with them delivering for them and you can't always do that so sometimes they get annoyed that you're not able to deliver what they think you sh you've promised and and frankly I can't win the game for their team so uh, there's always going to be some shortcomings there but no that hasn't changed I think I've probably become more used to it more uh, accepting mm. of it I worked in, in news before I worked in sport as a broadcast journalist and news has a different feel to it because it's so much more by and large life and death than sport of course sport has its tragedies and, and its moments of of tension and, and even terror but but news by its very nature I suppose is often negative and often you're reporting on 
terrible events, really, certainly negative events uh, around the world and, and indeed at home. So you can imagine news journalists working on just this week on events in Nottingham will have been quite on edge, sure. almost distressed, maybe traumatised, mm -hmm. simply by being around it and trying to find the w right way to get that message across, trying to find, to pick your way through uh, an unfolding and very difficult news environment where you, you want to get as much as you can across but you're always very nervous about either saying the wrong thing or overstepping or giving away information or details that aren't appropriate, that maybe a family member might be listening to for the first time who might have somebody who's been affected directly by this trauma and tragedy. So that is, that is a very stressful environment. Clearly not stressful for those involved, but, but it's worth pointing out that those that are reporting on it do worry a lot about trying to get that right now sport is generally about winning and losing rather than winning and living and dying and so it can be more maybe not light-hearted but more fun more enjoyable at least at least that's been my experience so yeah i think i've become more accustomed mm. to coping with the the kind of stresses and strains of it if you like performing under pressure and, and that route in for you through, through news that perspective that you've just given us do you think that's helped you in some way to step back and put it into context the, the, the winning and losing of sport I, I suppose so yeah I travelled quite a bit and that I think always lends perspective so that I think if you've lived in different parts of the world and experienced different cultures and people's attitudes towards life and all that it contains I think that gives you quite a broader perspective which is I think always a good thing mm -hmm. you can always take half a step back from your own situation almost kind of step out of yourself if that doesn't sound too corny I think that's quite good yeah. for you and your ability to do the job I also found quite a big difference when I worked in news you, you were always um, nervous about effectively ad-libbing or just finding words as you went along even in a live environment you wanted to be as scripted as possible because those words are so carefully chosen you're trying to stick to the facts mm -hmm. sport you can be more descriptive you can allow a bit more opinion and your area is your field of expertise whereas clearly working in news you can't be an expert in all these different things so unless you are the correspondent on this subject whether it's health travel middle east etc and there's your expertise in sport you can be the expert in the sport you cover or have the expertise in that field so you can elucidate a bit more opinion a bit more analysis and insight even as the presenter and reporter so you're more comfortable in finding the words uh, as you go along ad-libbing effectively and, and that's been a, something I've learnt to enjoy more than I used to in, in news where I used to panic about the wrong phrase the wrong fact the wrong bit of information and uh, well, maybe panic's a bit strong but, but yeah worry about it Absolutely. I'm just keen to hear who's who, if any, big influences on 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 you on your journey. Who's been perhaps a, a mentor in that space of helping you, I guess, navigate that performing under pressure or demands. Yeah, some from near and some from far. Really, some I've just watched, I suppose, and and thought they were good at their job. I suppose probably even from when I was a, a kid watching, perhaps people on TV although I didn't really want to work in TV and, and radio I actually wanted to if I knew what I wanted to do at all when I did languages at university it was to kind of travel abroad and be some kind of foreign correspondent but I used to like the football writers in the newspapers I did always like sport even though I kind of initially wanted to work more in foreign affairs so then when I worked in news at the BBC people like Peter Sissons and one or two others were really helpful John Inverdale was really a big kind of inspiration and, and help to me and then 
as I kind of got more into the sports world, not only John, but others that were either kind of by your side or you just liked that their kind of composure on air. So obviously people like Des Lynham, Steve Ryder, Sue Barker, they had that kind of ease about the way they went through the job, even though clearly they at times must have been, as we've discussed, feeling the strain and, and stress of the live environment. But they never, there's a thing that, that they often explain about you're a bit kind of duck or swan-like in live television that on the surface everything seems serene but all the work's happening under the water and it can be sometimes quite frantic and that is a little bit like what we're doing we're trying to appear calm and composed but kind of in the back of your mind and actually through your earpiece and what's happening behind you that allows you to do the job well is all the chaos so you're trying to create that kind of glass screen between you and the viewer so the back half of you is working hard the front half of you is serene That's nice yeah, I mean, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like you have got used to performing under pressure through the experience of doing it, mm. which we might term as stress inoculation. Okay, yeah. But in your career, you mentioned one or two people that you've observed um, and perhaps learned things from them. But have you received any formal coaching in terms of helping you perform under pressure? No. No, I don't think so. You just tend to either kind of where it seems appropriate ask about particular moments or you simply by I suppose some kind of broadcasting osmosis you watch others in action and when you start out clearly you're not immediately flung into the deep end so you tend to be the other side of the glass or in the, the truck or whatever so you get the two sides of it and actually as I now talk to young broadcasters who want to start out on the same kind of path I try and encourage them to see all perspectives so go and stand behind the camera go and sit in the truck which is parked outside the stadium go and stand behind the glass in what you'd call a gallery in a studio environment and see all parts of it if you're going to be a co-commentator go and sit in the commentator's chair if you're going to be a reporter be interviewed as the interviewee if you're going to be a presenter be the pundit so all the kind of yin and yang to it every part of that will inform the bit you do want to do so it's the things that you don't want to do but that connect to the things you do want to do uh, very much a seat you should sit in it's the old I suppose walk a mile in someone's shoes idea but it, it, in this in my work environment it's 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 very much the case okay um, and preparation can be a big factor in helping people perform under yeah. pressure across all walks of life whether it's been a teacher or you have, if you have to deliver a presentation mm. or a footballer so what kind of things do you do in your preparation phase to help you perform when it comes to being on air and I'm talking perhaps in the days before on the day of or immediately before so in the days before or really it's a kind of constant I suppose through a career where you're working on an area of knowledge and information like sport then it's kind of continuous process of preparation you're always trying to keep abreast of developments in that field so you're reading around the topic all the time and then obviously in the build-up to a particular match you're making sure you're fully briefed on those two squads not just the teams that might start on a Saturday but obviously the subs and everything that's going on behind the scenes you're trying to remember all those names recent history tactics technical aspects etc etc you're trying to talk to those that are directly involved either in the build-up to a game or when you arrive at a ground before a game kind of get a quick word with the manager or assistant or kit man or reserve striker anyone that can paint pictures for me of what's happening to that team in the build-up to this game so that i'm ready as i can be with the information that i can get now a lot of that might not ever make it to air but it informs your ability to do the job so that is 
I find not only useful, but also it's it's quite a kind of decompressing way to be ready because it's a bit like getting ready for an exam in a way because you know you're going to be tested on the day and you might not be asked the question that you're prepared for, but you're trying to make sure as many questions as possible you're in the right space to deliver on. So it'll be prepare 100 things, you might need 40 of them. And that's definitely, I think, that a de-stressing way to prepare. Not so much on the day. I try and essentially deal with things as they come up. I think over-preparing or over-investing in what's about to happen doesn't work for me. I think that gets me too kind of amped up. So I kind of leave it alone until I have to. So when I arrive at a ground, I'm more about, let's get a cup of tea, let's say hello to everybody, let's just, you know, I'm not really thinking about the programme. Although probably on some subconscious level, I'm getting ready, but I'm not directly doing that because I think then you would end up using too much nervous energy that way. Mm-hmm. And then you'd be tired or, or past your point of efficiency, if you like, when you come to go on air. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah, and it sounds like you know that you can control the level of preparation that you do. Yeah. So if you do it well in the days beforehand, that sets you up to feel calm on the day of actually having to perform. Mm. And naturally, for everybody, we all make mistakes in our job sometimes. And for you as a live broadcaster, there's nowhere to hide when you do that. So can you give us an example of a situation where you've made a mistake or something's not gone so well live on air? How have you kind of squared that off in your mind to carry on performing well? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we do all do that all the time. You try not to remember them <laughs> because you don't want to carry them around. And actually, that that is part of what I think I would say is that if and when you notice that you've made a mistake, you try and rectify it or correct it immediately. Yeah. So I, th- I remember the first week I worked at BT, I referred to my new broadcast employer as BBC. It just came out <laughs> and, and I corrected it in almost the in saying it I thought mm, that's the wrong one <laughs> so I corrected it straight away and then you're not carrying it you're not dragging it behind you so I think if you don't correct it and yourself in that situation then part of you keeps going back to fretting over it so the sense of being live is that you can't drag those rocks around behind you you've got to keep going forwards so the more weight you leave in the kind of bag that you're holding 
the less able to do the job in the now you're going to be. So I think get it out of your system, deal with it. So and if obviously as also can happen, you you say something and you don't know that you've said something incorrect or mispronounced a name or whatever, and then, and then someone in your ear or a, a pundit next to you corrects you, you make a virtue of it. You laugh it off. You go, oh yeah, well you know, glad you got me straight and I'm you're you're ready for today rather than me or whatever. You make a a, a kind of as much light of it as you can but you don't really want it to be hanging around like a bad smell so keep moving on yeah i mean that sounds like really helpful advice because there's nothing to gain is there from keeping that mistake holding on to it and carrying it around with you it's not going to help your performance no and for yourself as someone who's been a broadcaster for a while now you've probably worked with colleagues who perhaps have been a bit more nervous and perhaps struggled sometimes to perform under pressure so are there any instances where you've had to step in or offer some guidance or assistance to a colleague to help get them back onto the right track? Yeah. So I often, because I think the job of a broadcaster, a, a, a presenter, particularly on, on TV, you are a, well, and radio for that matter, you are a facilitator of other people's performance. So you are there to hold all the strings together in the way that the viewer or listener can can see or hear so there's all as i say there's all these people all filtering into this this construction and you're the visible part of it so you are in the kind of the you're the spider in the middle of the web i suppose but you're making sure everybody else to the extent that you can make sure everybody else you're making sure everyone else is is, is comfortable with where we're going as they can be now that clearly in particular will apply to your your guests your your pundits because they're the ones you can actually talk to. So you can sense their discomfort, their haltingness, their panic stations. You can sometimes see it in their eyes where they've lost their thread or they've gone down a bit of a cul-de-sac mentally or whatever it might be. And so you just ease them out of it. And I, in talking to them pre-performance, pre-program, I'll say, if you get into a bit of a, a blur, I'll try and step in and help you. But equally, have a kind of bailout thought, have a kind of safety net place to go to, a phrase or something that you just put into the back of your mind that if I've gone to completely into a brain phase kind of moment where I just can't remember what I'm talking about I've just lost my own thread halfway through just go to that safe place and just say whatever it is and and, and we'll pick it up from there and that is quite a, a nice comfort blanket for people to have it's a lovely technique really nice I'm going to use that fantastic <laughs> um, you mentioned already the, the, the pitch size stuff and potentially fans and everything mm. and, and you, you operate in different environments is there a preferred environment that you operate in or, or find that one provides more demands or challenges than others I like the variety mm. I like different sports I like being both in the studio and at events at games I like working with different people I like effectively always being pushed to deliver of your best and find out new things about yourself as well as the topic you're covering I think that's always good for people otherwise you can naturally going to get stuck in a bit of a rut aren't you going to end up doing the same things over and over and however good you might think they are they can become over familiar for people and yeah people like the comfort of the same voice the same face the same kind of sense of humor whatever it might be but they also like something new and there's a nature of broadcast that always is trying to reinvent itself find new ways new things to say new ways of analyzing sport in my case in my field so you try and stay relevant you try and stay across what's happening and i think also you focus on a bit like I suppose in my experience having talked to them athletes do you focus on the job on the process of the job you focus on the minutiae of what you're trying to do today and then you don't kind of get too caught up in the bigger picture 
So if the fans are making their noise, that almost becomes just a layer that's quite a long way away from what you're doing. You kind of zoom in a bit on what you're doing and then everything else will take care of itself. I can't conduct the crowd. It's very much beyond my control to, to have any say in that. I guess the players to an extent can do that. But, but, they, but really, they can only do that by doing what the coach and manager and their teammates want them to do. It's not like they can... They're not going to shoot from 40 yards because the crowd says shoot if it seems like a bad decision. And I can't affect a lot of the factors and, and elements in my environment. So I focus on what I can do, which is hold that program together. And then in the end, that's me doing my job to the best of my ability. Fantastic. You, you mentioned the words decompression and de-stressing. What does Matt do post-performance to perhaps unwind and just yeah, go back to normal and recover yeah i mean it's not like i I wouldn't say by and large i I need to kind of calm down after a program maybe that's because i'm old and been doing it a long time i i don't i know some people get home depending on how long it takes to get home afterwards and maybe struggle to sleep you do hear a lot of that from from sports people that they they still over and over will play back the kind of moments in their mind can't say i do that a lot if i get home I'm, I go if it's night I go straight to sleep I, I, I don't fret over it I don't relive it not really in fact I would argue that in reviewing performance for anybody uh, and this is what I would and do tell the younger broadcasters I would say don't look at a programme that you made a few days ago look at one you made a few weeks ago mm. because you are now emotionally more disconnected from it you become the viewer rather than the broadcaster and you can just not be overly invested in the fact that it was you and you can start to see it just as you or I would I think that's a more instructive thing to do if you're going to review yourself don't be yourself be just someone who's watching somebody else do the job I think it's more there's more in that for you because otherwise you'll still think oh yeah well I remember because he dropped his pen just before that and all those minutiae you'll explain it and justify it and therefore you don't necessarily improve upon it so if, it, if the sense of it is look back and pick holes in yourself constructively or, or the programme whether that's you or as a team then do it from a while ago I think that, I think that's more helpful that's great advice yeah absolutely you you a pitch side quite a lot close, yeah. close to the action yeah you picked up anything from your own observations of, of being at the coalface of how athletes deal with pressure and stress and yeah and and they're not all the same clearly how could they be although there are overlapping characteristics that you see prevalent in a lot of sports people they focus on the process i know it's a bit of a cliched phrase but they do they focus on what's in their control and the kind of repetitive skills the motor skills that they have if it's a physical endeavor they i think develop the ability to communicate with the people that they need to communicate with so in a noisy environment they focus in on teammate sideline coach etc and increasingly you see sports people are all about detail they're all trying to re- to replicate what they've rehearsed in training and prep for a, a performance trying to just get into that they call it that bubble that that headspace where almost their mind becomes empty and they just go through that muscle memory capability of just being in the moment and that's their best way to perform now obviously you can't quite do that in my job but what you can do is you you split your brain into at least two and sometimes kind of more than two which sounds a bit you know overly self-congratulatory it's not it's not meant to be a kind of pat on the back you aren't you spinning so many plates but you are trying to do several things at once and the ability to develop those skills will in live tv will make a massive difference to your ability to do it Mm -hmm. so the kind of half listening to what is coming down what they call talk back and hearing the things you need to hear rather than all of it is a skill you develop and the listening to the person who stood next to you 
but listening more intently to that because there'll be elements that you want to pick up on from the answer they give you makes it feel like a real conversation which it should be rather than a overly rehearsed you say this i say this you say that i say that if it's too contrived like that then the audience don't feel like it's natural mm. but if you ask them a question they answer it you pick up on something in that answer and then it, it evolves naturally as it should and as it would in a normal setting then they connect with that because it's real mm. so you're trying to do those you're trying to do the kind of prep side and the natural here and now side at the same time so there is a kind of splitting of the the, the focus or the, the kind of conscious mind I suppose if that doesn't sound too not at all there's so much gold in that and uh, <laughs> so many links back to what we do with sport right yeah, Paul, and, uh, I, I think Matt if you were to I mean again with that in mind so much gold if you were to leave the listener with one key message and advice that you would give them one one thing about performing under pressure that that would go top of your list as important what would you say to them i mean practice is pretty much what makes perfect in in most of what we've discussed here uh, so keep doing it don't be put off by initial sense of panic overwhelming sense of there's too much going on here i often have with the pundits i work with they can have essentially with their earpiece they can have a choice between what's called open talkback where you hear everything that's happening in the the, the team that sit behind the cameras or switch talkback where they'll only hear someone that presses a key to talk to them and they'll only do that when they have to and they normally wouldn't do it when they're talking so that's quite a big leap from nothing to someone occasionally speaking to you down your ear to hearing everybody talk all the time and picking out what you need from that i say to them for the time that when you start you can bear it have the open talk back Mm. get used to it it kind of dive into that deeper water and if it's too much ask for it to be changed to switched or even take your earpiece out if you really need to if you just can't cope but the longer they will swim in that water the better prepared they'll be for the jobs requirements as they become more skilled and experienced and then the other thing i'd say to to anybody who was doing anything for the first time is if you get to moments where you've had a hard day remember why you wanted to do it in the first place remember what it is that appealed to you if it's a job you always fancied okay it might not be today everything you hoped it would be it's not your dream job today but it was your dream job and should still the reasons it was your dream job will still pertain so yes it might not be everything all the time that you want it to be but mostly it should be the thing that still attracted you in the first place and if you hold to that then it'll always be that i think in its own way yeah, I mean, I think you've given some really good advice there. And often we can put athletes on a bit of a pedestal. You know, we think of the 100-metre runner who trains for four years to run uh, for 10 seconds yeah. in the Olympic final. And we can hold them to this really high standard that, you know, it's only athletes that are amazing in performing under pressure. But actually, people like yourself who have to be on TV in front of millions of people watching, we can learn a lot from the approach that you take to that. And it can be transferred into all walks of life for us as teachers, you know, for, for anybody who is required to do a job well when the situations are demanded. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's there's no magic. I, I think there's no it, the idea that some people are just born with these gifts, I think is probably a bit fanciful. I'd say to anybody, you can do this. However weird it might first appear, however much you might think there are special people who can do these things and I'm not one of them. I very much say don't think that. Think that this is you. Be you and just keep developing and you will develop those those skills that this job this situation requires why 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 are other people better than you they're not 
Yeah, that's like a mindset switch, isn't it? For, so having that overall belief and being open to making mistakes, accepting mistakes and moving on from mm. mistakes. And mm. I think that's really worth highlighting for the listeners today, the answer that you gave to that question about not carrying a mistake around with you, mm. dealing with it straight away, accepting it and moving on um, because it's never going to help performance under pressure. No, none of us are perfect. Just trying to be. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um that draws us to a close for today's session so I'd like to thank uh, Dr Joe Dixon for joining us and a big thanks as well to, to Matt Smith thank you I know you're very busy with your travelling around the country and into Europe with the Champions mm. League football as well so I hope uh, hope you've enjoyed your experience on our podcast it's been great thank you very much fellas and thank you to the listeners for, for listening thanks Matt thanks very much Podcast Network.